Hello and welcome to Commercial Real Estate Views with NAOP Pittsburgh Developing Leaders with your podcast host, Clayton Morris, NAOP Pittsburgh Podcast Committee Lead and Vice President of Development and Leasing at Sampson Morris Group. This year's podcast series is sponsored by the law firm of Bernstein Berkeley, serving the Pittsburgh business community for more than 50 years. Remember to subscribe to Commercial Real Estate Views with Nayop Pittsburgh on your favorite podcast platform. And now your host, Clayton Morris. Hey, it's Clayton Morris. I'm here with John Robinson with PJ Dick. Uh, Thanks, Clayton. Appreciate the invitation to be here today. Good, good, good. We haven't had a lot of uh, construction side uh, in, in the podcast. That's exciting. Uh, so why don't you tell us what you do and what PJ Dick does and... and the world of construction and how you relate to it. Sure, sounds good. Um, so I've been with PJ since 2015. A little bit about my path as to how I uh, ended up at PJ. So I actually came back to Pittsburgh in 2011. Mm-hmm. I was working for a developer out in Seattle. Uh, PNC was the lender on a project I was doing. Got kind of uh, became friends with you know the lending team. They knew of the PNC Tower project in, in Pittsburgh. And so it gave my, my wife, who I met at Carnegie Mellon, it gave both of us an opportunity to come back to Pittsburgh. So and Everyone wants to come back to Pittsburgh, of course. Yeah, we were the classic boomerang. Mm-hmm. And I didn't grow up here, but fell in love with the city when I was here in, uh, for, for my grad school years. And so came back in 2011. Um, the interesting thing here, uh, worked with PJ Dick. P, PJ was the builder of the tower, PNC Plaza. Mm-hmm. And then upon successful delivery of the tower, I went to work for PJ. So um, I've been with PJ since uh, 2015, and I'm the executive director of development uh, for the company. It means a couple different things. Um, we're, we're a pretty flat organization. Uh, a lot of people get involved in a lot of different things, and so uh, we work together in a lot of different, I'd say, corporate-wide efforts. Um, my focus is uh, kind of, I would say it's kind of threefold. One, um, traditional business development, trying to figure out you know, what's going on in the market and getting, getting ahead of it. And uh, we have multiple markets in which we're operating. So I collaborate a lot with my colleagues uh, that are out of market. Uh, the second part of what I do is um, my background is owner side. Up until I came to PJ, I was on the owner side. And uh, so I, I get engaged in what we call development assist, where sometimes our clients uh, want help with things other than uh, just pre-construction services with estimating and scheduling. Okay. So we'll get, we'll get involved with helping them with their development budgeting and a variety of other things. And then uh, the third part is I get involved in a lot of corporate development activities in terms of helping us become a better builder. Of uh, Being on the owner's side for as long as I was, I've worked with a lot of builders. And uh, so it gives me the opportunity to uh, you know, bring some of their back best practices to PJ. And um, it's a great company. I've really enjoyed the last, geez, how many years will that be? That's Almost seven years, so it's it's uh, it's a great place. I really enjoy it. So you uh, uh, you've been to some development or pre development side, uh, and uh, so I assume a developer owner reaches out to you and says, "Hey, I am looking to buy this parcel and I want to build a three story office building on it. About how much is that per square foot?" And then you step in and then get that done pre construction. Is that what you're describing there? Or? Yeah, we we do that. Um, it's. Uh, a lot. It's, it's, it gets more interesting, I think, when we're working with out-of-market clients okay. because there's some unique things in Pittsburgh in terms of how things are entitled. You see projects that have, you know, had challenges being permitted. Um, you the, the topography here is a trip. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no site is, is similar. 
Uh, so we, we uh, you know, our, our forte, our strength, we're really strong in pre-construction. So it's the most, in my opinion, it's the most important phase of the project. You've got to set the project up for success early. Yeah. Align expectations. Everybody's moving in the same direction. Get the, get the moment, the momentum that you need. And so setting up the owner, your client, uh, you know, well, um, to move through entitlements, uh, to complete design and to start construction is, is really, really important. And it's not just necessarily being conservative about your estimating. We do a lot of volume. Yeah. So we do, uh, our pre-construction teams awesome in terms of the data they're pulling, pulling yeah. from live bidding, um, from live billing. Yeah. And uh, so we leverage that uh, early on to kind of, I would say that's, you know, one of the, uh, one of our strengths. Yeah. And, and, and you guys do all sorts of construction, right? Like we do. Yeah. We, we scale pretty well too. So we do small, small projects around town. We do big projects around town. We have a couple of big ones going right now, such as the airport. Uh, F&B Tower and a couple others, um, but um, correct me if I'm wrong. You can do road work, right? We do. So it's it's interesting because uh, PJ, the way I describe it, PJ Dick is our vertical building business. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, office buildings, hospitals, higher ed, hospitality, multifamily, you name it. Um, Trumbull is more of horizontal builder. So roadways, bridges, tunnels, they get into the power biz, the power space a little bit oh, too wow, right okay. now. They're doing massive site development for some wind farms. Uh, and then we also have the Lindy Group, which is uh, a large paving company, very diversified as concrete and other material supply businesses as well. So I really enjoy, I'm, I'm focused most mostly on PJ's efforts because mm -hmm. that's, where my most of my experience is, but um, I start off my career uh, in the power sector, so I get pulled into trouble things occasionally, and collectively across all the companies, it's really helpful to kind of hearing to hearing uh, to hear what's going on in the market and what different companies kind of like crystal balls or um, what their tea leaves are saying yeah. you know, for the day in terms of pricing and what what, what the future holds for all of us. So. Yeah. And, and 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 you're a regional. Contractor, right? So where are you? Where, where is yeah. Jail? Yeah. So we're, we're we describe ourselves as being regional, but right now I think in terms of active work, uh, the, the project that is farthest to the southwest is in Huntington, West Virginia. We're building a business school for Marshall, and then uh, our project in farthest northeast is in Saratoga Springs, where we have a couple um, projects going up there. And so I'd say our people are kind of like we have project like side offices. Oh, well, then we also have. Our Pittsburgh office mm -hmm. is our biggest presence, but um, we have uh, an office that's growing like gangbusters in, uh, in, in Philly right now. Oh, wow. Okay. So kind of capitalizing on some of the growth in, in the eastern side of the state. And so I would say that we have people, you know, between all, all those four points kind of everywhere in terms of side, side, uh, job offices and mm -hmm. such, but um, our major presence is Pittsburgh and Philly. Nice. Yeah. So, so construction's been... Difficult to say the least over the last year or two years through the pandemic. Uh, is that going to is it going to get easier? What, what's the prediction? Talking about tea leaves earlier, where where are we going? Yeah, it's making it fun, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty wild. Um, I think uh, you know the story kind of changes every day. Certainly, there's some big macro stuff happening out there. They're influencing pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. um, so you got to kind of be all over it. And so while most people are hearing about the pricing, which can be pretty volatile. Um, it's, uh, 
we're paying just as much attention to supply chain because time is money. You know, if you're you're starting a development project, as soon as you start drawing on that construction loan, you know, your IRR starts taking that hit, right? Um, You want to, you want to, Finish the project as quickly as you can. You want your leasing velocity to be off the chart. You want to stabilize. You want to do your takeout loan and you want to roll. And so just as important to the pricing issue is supply chain because um, we have a number of projects that uh, we're having to be exceptionally proactive with. You know, switch the, the, the timing for switch gear, which is part of the electrical system of a building, yeah. is like the lead time is like four or five times longer than it is normally generators now i think you know you're 10 to 12 months and you can't open your building without your backup generator because then your you know your life safety systems don't work yeah uh you've heard of all the other ones like roofing doors bar joys doors door hardware i mean it's Mm -hmm. it's it's crazy so i think the key to it for us is just a lot of communication you know everybody kind of you know, um, sharing the real-time experience of their buyout on a job mm-hmm. and getting out ahead of it. So if I find out today that it's going to take three times or four times as long to get the switch gear, I'm telling every project manager in the company that so mm-hmm. that, that he or she can plan accordingly. Yeah. So information is like the name of the game right now uh, because, yeah, pricing is, is really interesting and uh, you have to be just as aware of supply chain issues. And when you get a commitment in terms of delivery timing of equipment or whatever, I, I call it trust but verify. Yeah. Um, ask them frequently and you trust them, but you're going to have to typically, you know, do a, do more site visits yeah. to, you know, whatever warehouse it is where they're holding the material just to, to make sure that when you're ready for it, it arrives. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's very dynamic right now. Are you seeing, uh, so bar joists, I remember that was uh, an issue a few months back that I, about. I'm like, well, it's just some bent metal and some welds, and that might be my ignorance, but are, do you think, because some of these materials are simple, do you think we're going to have manufacturing come back to local shops potentially to supply that? I hope so. Yeah. I mean, that would be great. I uh, wasn't. I think the bar joist run, wasn't Amazon driving a lot of that? I, I, a lot of the, because industrial is huge. Yeah, industrial is these large uh, bar joist spans, so yeah, they were taking up I'm probably I'm probably exaggerating, but didn't they buy like a... a a quarter of the market of bar joists and roofing materials or something. <laughs> just get it on Prime. Yeah, it's yeah. as easy as that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's bar joists, run on bar, bar joists. That was like the first one I think when everybody's ears perked up, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, across the board, supply chain's wild. And, uh, you know, all of these manufacturers, I mean, they're trying, to, they're trying to staff up, they're trying to get production up. But in the meantime, where pricing is, I think they're all doing quite well for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I personally have never looked at so many diverse construction methods just to get timing and pricing down. I'm sure you guys are exploring other options, and uh, like one that gets me excited is compressed laminated timber. Yeah, uh, did you does PG have any experience with that? Uh, a little. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, we have been asked recently looking at uh, uh, I would say like mid-rise kind of uh, timber frame yeah. construction. Which is which is interesting. You don't see a lot of that around here. Mm-hmm. But it, it uh, one of the tools we use is uh, our, our precon group. Uh, they have a couple different tools. One of which is just like a whole layout of all the different types of structural systems that this building can be built out of. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. The next column is where we think the pricing is, where we think it'll be six months out, mm-hmm. and then like you know some of the efficiencies you'll realize from such a system, and then some of the challenges. So having tools like that, to your point. You know, when you sit down with people to kind of like figure out, you know, what is the best path here? Yeah. And being open to uh, different options and alternatives. Um, 
that is something that's a conversation we're having to have right now. I wish we saw more, uh, you know, con uh, concrete construction here yeah. locally, vertically, because we have a, a self-perform capability with concrete. But you got to be open-minded to everything right now. Mm -hmm. Whatever you know, saves schedule and doesn't affect budget too much. Yeah, and, and scheduling is difficult. Uh, you mentioned entitlements. Entitlements in Pittsburgh can be different than entitlements in Cranberry, and mm -hmm. and uh, typical cities have the same kind of plan in that radius. It takes three months to get permits here, or whatever it needs. And timing is so critical when you're working between those different municipalities for clients, at least on our end, on yeah. the leasing side of it. Uh, so the fact that you guys have that a solid grasp on that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's, it's certainly helpful. I always kind of look at uh, trying to put myself in our client's shoes, which isn't too hard um, with my development background. You know, I always kind of look at risk and like, I guess it'd be like four or five different buckets, you know, yeah. so marketing risk, you know, knowing the market before you take the dive, you can mitigate a lot of your market risk, right? Short of, you know, macro. Sort events, of pandemic happening or something. Yeah, yeah. Financing risk, same thing, you know, just, you know, being not necessarily conservative, being, but being realistic in your under underwriting. Mm -hmm. um, operating risk, you know, don't build a five-star hotel and try to operate it yourself. Hire someone that knows how to do it. You can yeah. mitigate that risk as well. The last one before you get to construction risk, I've always called it entitlement risk. And I've kind of always had the same tone that um, entitlement risk, you know, it's something that you can control, just know what you're getting into. And yeah. lately it seems like entitlement risk is, you know, bigger than the preceding three maybe. Mm -hmm. It's pretty wild, very complicated. Um, and lastly, you know, construction risk um, is typically the, it, well, it's always the biggest source of risk on jobs. So um, I think that's what, what kind of like drew me from maybe uh, the owner side to the construction side. I really enjoy it. It's very dynamic. It's mm -hmm. very ever changing. Um, but I guess my point being that entitlement risk, the entitlements, which you brought up, it seems yeah. like that's a stickier issue with our clients as of late. So I don't think there's much we can do to help in that regard, but we're certainly, yeah. we're certainly learning a lot. About well, I mean, you get a lot of experience working with each municipality, I'm sure, and, and that's huge and helpful yeah. uh, when you're talking to a client True. Uh, that may not have that because you're talking about out-of-state mm -hmm. clients. Time for a sponsor break. The NAOP Pittsburgh Developing Leaders podcast is sponsored by Bernstein Berkeley, Attorneys at Law, a business approach to legal service for more than 50 years. Whether it's bankruptcy and restructuring, commercial real estate, or property tax assessments, Bernstein Berkeley creates partnerships that provide clients with peace of mind through expert service and zealous representation, with offices in Pittsburgh, Wheeling, and Cleveland. Visit Bernstein Berkeley at BernsteinLaw.com or call 412-456-8100 for more information. Do you see products, and, uh, do you see shortages continuing to happen? Do you see pricing remaining stable? Where, where's the future with construction? <laughs> yeah, is, this, is this the moment where I do my disclaimer about my comments don't necessarily yeah, represent those represent, of my employer? Yeah. No. It's um, it, my kind of read of it. I think it's similar to, um, I think it's similar to a lot of uh, other a lot of our uh, peers, um, peer companies. Uh, I think the challenge is there's a lot in the pipeline still. Mm -hmm. So for people to think that like all of a sudden pricing is going to fall off the cliff in the next month or two is probably a little unrealistic. So what we tell people is. If you have, if you have, if, if your project is fully designed, yeah, and you're almost entitled and you're ready to go, mm -hmm. 
carbon it and do your buyout as quick as you can. You know, hopefully when you bid it, it, it um, you know, it aligns with your performa and your performa can handle it and you can move forward. So if you're fully baked, hard bid it and roll. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that are kind of sitting there wondering, they don't want to um, jump in because they think, well, what if I go ahead and make this commitment now? And then, you know, costs do come down in like yeah. seven to eight months or nine months or 10 months, right? And so what I would tell people that are in kind of that category is, or in that situation, I'm a huge fan of builders being engaged early in pre-development. And it's not because I'm just a builder. It's because the most successful projects that I've been associated with are the ones where the builder has a seat at the table as the project's being designed so that everybody's aligned, expectations are correct, and you build this awesome momentum as a project comes out of the gate, right? Yeah. So... And you get a you get an early read of pricing, but to the point of the to the point of okay, if pricing goes down in nine to ten months, just put just put a provision into the contract that buyout savings comes back to the owner. Yeah. Or is split. You know, if you have that fear that costs are going to go down, so you don't want to start yet, um, that's one piece of guidance that I can typically provide people. Yeah. But it's uh, in terms of the tea leaves, crystal ball. I mean, I, I think that I don't see the pricing coming down. Uh, significantly over the next 12 months. I, don't, I, I think we're kind of at a point where it's just going to kind of sit there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we're going to see any more dramatic rise or fall of, of pricing. But Great. And, and who knows? No one expected we'd be talking like this right. two years ago. Keep in mind, too, like, uh, you know, when you hear, like, construction materials have gone up, like, I mean, some of them are astronomical, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, steel and lumber and things like that. But a big part of building a project also is workforce. Yeah. And it can be a big part of the cost. And so it's not like if someone says, you know, my materials went up 20%, it's, it's, there's a big part of that number's labor, which, you know, doesn't see those kind of dramatic movements. Yeah. So, uh, is there anything you would like to discuss that we haven't hit on about PJ Dick and construction or, or, or whatever you want to voice? Um, you know, I guess just uh, I, one thing I wanted to point out, uh, I guess just kind of continuing a thought that I had earlier about engaging the builder early. You know, uh, when we do this right as a team, you know, owner, architect, builder, mm-hmm. when we do it right and everybody's, you know, from the onset and pre-development working together and you build that collective momentum together, mm-hmm. It can actually be really fun. Yeah, no. And so I, I think that, you know, the industry gets a little bad rap occasionally because of projects, you know, that are just really high stakes, high, high, high stress, you know, high risk. And it's tough. It's tough. Projects are tough. You know, if, if, uh, if it was easy, everybody could do it right. But when we do it right, um, it is actually quite fun. So um, me personally, why I'm in the industry, uh, I love it. I love the tangibility of it. Bricks and mortar is fun. I'm watching something come out of the ground. There's a lot of really cool things being built around town right now yeah. by a lot of, you know, this market's fortunate. There's a lot of great builders out there. Um, so I just want to make that quick point. It's, it's actually quite a, quite a fun, you know, industry. And projects are fun. They're supposed to be fun. So yeah. I can tell you, I have a lot of fun. We have a, we have a great team in-house. Uh, I have a lot of fun sitting there with her. Their numbers, guys. I, I, I do a lot of our market research. We have our mm-hmm. construction team, and when yeah. we look at a building, we tear it apart. And like, let's what? Let's raise the ceiling. Let's do this. Let's rip it out. And, yeah. and, and just that collaboration and being told that's financially unviable or 
we can do that, but we have to add steel here and there. It's just an absolute blast. Yeah. And and having a, having someone that knows construction at the table makes those conversations more efficient and really uh, can add to the creativity and the flow of that versus not knowing it. You're not going to, if you don't know, you can take down half a building or raise the ceiling or whatever. Yeah. You're not even going to think about it. Especially nowadays, diversity in thought, you know, mm-hmm. just new ideas. It's a big part of you know, finding a better way to do it, especially when, you know, there's so much pricing pressure and other kind of uncertainties. So um, one thing I did want to mention um, about NAOP, am I allowed to comment about NAOP of on the NAOP course. podcast? Of course it's positive. Yeah, of course, of course it's positive. <laughs> but um, uh, the last three years have been really wild in terms of, you know, just the stress of the industry, the stress of the world, yeah. you know, things that have been going on. But um, I did want to mention like the, the, uh, the collaboration within the industry, I think the most effective collaboration, some of the best collaboration I've had has been through NAOP, mm-hmm. whether it's events um, that have been put on or uh, you know, the awards banquet or, you know, it's just getting people together, talking about what's going on in the market and trying to kind of solve it together is huge. Yeah. And I just really like the spirit of it and especially the, uh, the developing leaders uh, group and so just kind of a, I guess an additional plug for NAOP. It's been a, a great resource for us. And I really appreciated the, the forum that the uh, organization has provided over the last few years. It's been very important to us. And, and, and I can second that with uh, working with the, the DLs especially. Uh, uh, but when all this was happening, there were so many questions. I've never had so many people call me. I've never called so many people being like, what's going on? What can we do? And I'm sure you had a similar uh, feeling with it, knowing that NAOP member is in your industry and cares about you, and or at least the industry really helped break the ice to get those first questions out for sure. Absolutely, and the uh, awards event last year was just pretty much epic because I think that was one of the first times that everybody was just out. Yes, and that was just amazing. I mean, there were there were so many smiles to that event. Everybody was so happy. So it's uh, it's good that we're seeing some semblance of being of being back together again, collaborating on things, and hopefully this continues. And well, will I see you May nineteenth? Absolutely. All right, I'll be on stage. Of course. I'll, I'll, I'll wave to you. Oh, you're the MC. Yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. Yes. That's great. Who, who's your co MC? Uh, uh, Stacy Winnegar. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so That'll be great. Yeah, I look forward to it. Uh, still at stage AE. So everyone, all the listeners, yeah. uh, May May nineteenth. Uh, we'll see you there, stage AE. Uh, for uh, the biggest real estate awards event in town, I believe. Can't wait. Yeah, so exciting stuff. Well, hey, uh, talk about the DL. So I'd like to tailor this podcast towards them. Uh, If you are a young, under 35-year-old DL and you want to be involved with construction and do what you do, what are some lessons or what are some, what's some advice you have for them? That's wild. You know, I kind of still feel like I am a DL, but I'm (laughs) I'm definitely aged out of the DL DL category. (laughs) But, um, uh, I'm really, I'm really lucky on my team. I have a number of younger people that work on my team, and uh, we have a lot of really, really good energy and um, just advice I always give to people. Like, if, uh, if there's something you want to be involved with and you're not, figure out a way to do it. Talk to people who are. If there's something you want to learn about, curious about, reach out to people. Don't hesitate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, if it, it, I've always found that with... Uh, so what is the cutoff for DLs? I think it's 35. Okay. Is it 35? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I just think, uh, you know, getting out of your comfort zone a little bit, and it's, it's amazing, you know, what young professionals are capable of doing. You know, raise your hand, jump in with both feet, and uh, always voice interest and kind of doing what we call 
and PJ, kind of that stretch goal. Mm-hmm. You know, get involved, get more involved than maybe you're comfortable doing. NAOP's a great, great way of doing that. And, uh, you know, if anybody ever reaches out to me that's curious about what I do, kind of my career path, what PJ does, what we're capable of, you know, you know, I always, I always appreciate that. I always enjoy the conversation. So that, I think that's my, my biggest piece of advice is, you know, get out of your comfort zone, reach out to people you want to learn more about. And there's a lot of really interesting people in the industry here in Pittsburgh. So I don't think I've had a single person from NAOP nationally, because I involve national stuff, but especially here in Pittsburgh, say no to me. I reached out. Yeah. Let alone if they would be recorded on a podcast. I don't think anyone said no to that. Uh, and, and that's amazing. That's a really unique thing we have. So. Yeah. It's a great, great place to be. Yeah. So, any any final words? Uh, I don't think so. Morbid. Any Thanks. anything? Any closing any words? Any final words? No. It. Um. Yeah. Thank you for having me, and uh, look forward to the big event on May nineteenth. And yeah, look, I look forward to listening to all these podcasts. They're fun. All right. Sounds good. Thank you uh, for joining us, and uh, I'll see you soon. Take care. Commercial Real Estate Views with NAOP Pittsburgh Developing Leaders podcast is brought to you by Bernstein Berkeley Attorneys at Law. This episode and all episodes are available on all major podcasting services. Please subscribe to be alerted when new episodes drop. It's Clayton here with Pamela Austin of Burns and Scala. Pamela, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, Clayton. Yeah, my name is Pamela Austin, and I'm the brand ambassador for Burns Scala Real Estate. Uh, I've been in Pittsburgh for about eight years now. I moved here from Chicago, but I feel like a true Pittsburgher now. Great, great. What brought you to Pittsburgh from Chicago? Well, two things. Uh, one was a little project called the Produce Terminal oh, in great. the Sturt District, and another was a boy. Oh. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, uh, Chicago, Pittsburgh, uh, what about your educational background? What were you doing before Chicago? Sure. So I'm originally from Illinois. As I said, um, I grew up in Southern Illinois and went to school in uh, Champaign-Urbana to the University of Illinois. Believe it or not, I was a biology major. After college, I went and I worked for the Field Museum and uh, I worked there in the laboratory. At that time, DNA sequencing was becoming a really big thing. So I worked in a laboratory and did a lot of field work in Africa and I got my master's degree and through biology, um, I got into a tennis uh, facility okay. and I met Dan McCaffrey and he hired me eventually to do real estate uh, after rehabbing houses and getting my, my license. So, so you were a biologist in the field in Africa yeah. got, and then that got you into tennis, yeah. and network tennis through McCaffrey and then you flipped houses at the, on the side, or how did that? How did you do it? Yeah, we did it. Uh, we did it for our, our for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were houses that we would live in, and then um, flip them for something bigger and better. Yeah. And we just yeah. kept going. Uh, but I really enjoyed working with um, various craftsmen on the details. I, I really got into the design of it. So it was um, it really kind of put on a light bulb that maybe I shouldn't be a biologist. Yeah. So then you came and worked on the produce terminal, uh-huh. and uh, and. How did you get to Burns and Scala? But like, what what were the steps from there? Yeah, well, there's some, there were some years in, bet- in between, but um, I worked primarily on in the multifamily housing industry, mm-hmm. and then kind of moved into mixed use, mm-hmm. and then um, eventually office. So I moved over to Burns Scala Real Estate during the pandemic. Quick and, time change. <laughs> yeah, right. So I did it in 2020. Um, I was 
I was a little bit burned out after working on those high profile projects for so long and I was really, really wanting to see how uh, someone else approached real estate. So I'd been with McCaffrey for, you know, 18 years. Mm -hmm. And I was really excited. I, I met Jim Skylow a very long time ago um, in my career when I was doing Lot 24. Okay. Um, we, I toured him through my project. He showed me his project in the South Side. And uh, after that, we, we like reconnected and uh, had some conversations. And here I am. So, so when I think of you just through NAOP and all the networking, I, I'm like, Pamela's the strict, the strict district. Uh, and, and that is kind of your focus, correct? It is, yeah. I serve as the president of Strip District Neighbors, and I live in the Strip District. Obviously, I've done um, three projects with McCaffrey, and now my project with Burns Gallo is the Vision on 15th, our 265,000 square foot office and retail project. So the Strip is very near and dear to my heart. Yes, yeah, Strip's an amazing place. Uh, and, 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 and the Vision on 15th, correct? Uh, you have to putter in there? We do, and, and, yeah. There's uh, a couple off, a couple office deals going on. So yeah, we have uh, Allegheny Technology okay. is moving um, from downtown. Uh, they're a company that's been around a long, long time, yeah. and they wanted a new space that um, you know really had natural light mm -hmm. and had common spaces where everyone could congregate in cafes and um, shared, yeah, sorry, yeah, hoteling kind of structure. So something very different for them. So uh, I watched that building go up my commute to Monroe, like from North Hills to Monroe every day, and uh, that was really fun to see. Uh, what we're talking about it. What makes that building special, and how does it fit with the strip? Glad you ask. Um, I would say a few things. So uh, I have been working really hard to make it a, a very unique building in the in mm -hmm. the you know Pittsburgh landscape. Um, for one thing, we worked with local artists to do a really special art programming. Uh, so we have Joyce Wary Perry, uh, Dan DeRose, and Greg Bradley. So we have a sculpture, a painting, and a mural by local artists. Cool. And they're all like really fun colors. And they just really, when you, when you walk in the door, you, you feel uh, like uplifted. It's really mm -hmm. colorful. And um, we gave them the theme that during pan the pandemic, we wanted to bring people together. Mm -hmm. So the, the sculpture is called The Gathering. Okay. It's figurative forms, like look like they're maybe high-fiving or hugging. And then Joyce's piece is called In Good Company. Okay. And then the, 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 the mural is in a, a courtyard setting where we have a landscaped um, uh, center. We want people to like have outdoor dining there, so it's a giant flower that's beaming down. It has an eye in the center, and it's beaming down its light, and it says, uh, "The future belongs to those who can see it." Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. So, so you have art. Uh, you have the pottery. I love when amenities are paying tenants, uh, which is awesome. Go work in your office and go golf. And uh, Bert Scal is known for their amenities, and, and, and that's something I know Jim Scal pushes a lot. Uh, what else have you integrated into that building? Yeah, we're gonna have a full-time concierge. So when you walk through the door, we're gonna have a experienced uh, concierge who's gonna greet you and make you feel welcome. Uh, beautiful lounge area where that where that art is, and where you can kind of take a break from your day, come down with your laptop, and just change your experience. We really wanted it to feel like a hotel lobby. Mm -hmm. So it's it's very classic design, but with some really great pops of color. There's little things like dry cleaning ballet, there's a fitness center, there's multiple outdoor spaces for people to dine and, and, and get together. Integrated parking, which is very That's important huge, in this yeah. strip, right? 
So uh, bike parking, because we also are a very flat neighborhood. We're right at the entrance to the Riverfront Trail. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, something I think that people will really take advantage of. Yeah, that building is almost the entrance to the Strip from downtown. Uh, it's one of the last buildings ever within the Golden Triangle and in the Strip, which is beneficial zoning-wise. Uh, so as you move into the Strip, uh, it gets this industrial character, which is really cool. And you've seen it change over 18 years, you said, right? Well, in, in, in Pittsburgh, eight years. Eight years, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, how, where do you see the strip going? Well, we're seeing uh, growth spreading down towards Lawrenceville. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, uh, you know, this this part of the, the strip closer to the uh, the city is kind of um, already being developed. So we're seeing a lot of the, the, the new stuff happening that direction. Um, the other thing that's been really neat is fitness. Really? So lots of fitness. I, I used to giggle that we always had lots of food, and mm-hmm. now we have places to work it off. So we are also a really uh, growing residential population. For sure. And with the the residents have come these you know people chasing with the services. So it's it's great for me because when I first moved here eight years ago, I said, Gosh, I don't have any place to get my nails done. I can't buy toilet paper. There, you know, there were just like these basics that mm-hmm. didn't exist in the strip, and now. We're, we're, we're fully developing as a neighborhood and have them. Yeah, and, and, and it's a true gateway, I feel. And every year it gets better and better between downtown and Lawrenceville. And uh, I love the character of the Strip. The Strip is really cool. That's where I take my friends from out of town. I mean, let's see cool stuff. Let's go to the Strip. And uh, so great. It's very vibrant. Um, and, and one other uh, surprising thing was just the amount of retail. We added so many new uh, you know businesses open during mm-hmm. the pandemic. So. That was kind of counter to what people thought was going to happen. So yeah. it's exciting to see um, so many new bars and restaurants and places like uh, Pro Bike and Run and yeah. just really inter- interesting entertainment venues. Asm Brewing is coming. Mm-hmm. Bonafide Beer is going to be opening soon. There's just great new things that are on the horizon. I'm very excited. Okay, good. Okay. So biologically, it's growing. Yes. <laughs> no, yes. Kind of, yes. Kind of yeah. Ding ding. There's something better there, I'm sure. Um, but any, uh, I mean, the, uh, let's just go back to you. So you transitioned from biology to house flipping. The house flipping was fun. Uh, and, uh, what was that experience like for you? Uh, to... Well, it, you know, it kind of was born out of necessity. I got married, and um, my husband, I, you know, I said, could we have a house? And he said, well, if you can find a house for under $100,000, mm-hmm. and this was in Chicago, mind you, okay. we'll do it. And so I found a house for ninety thousand mm-hmm. dollars, completely gutted it, mm-hmm. and flipped it. And then from that was in Rogers Park, and then we moved to Lincoln Park. So uh, quite a transition, but uh, it was it was a challenge, and yes. I accepted it and game on. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Any uh, um, anything you want to add to our, our strip conversation? Anything important? And and, and what Burns and Scala is doing, and what you do for Burns and Scala? Actually, really, what do you? do as this uh, in, in your in your role that's a great question so as a brand ambassador i would describe it as i'm kind of a bridge between our brokerage uh, department and uh, our marketing department so i'm really trying to to help them lease faster okay. right and myself because i also have leasing commitments but um so making the places that we we develop really special so that people want to be there so that you know that attracts um, tenants and also for the people that are already tenants to make sure that they want to stay there so a lot of programming um, cross-marketing I do our events 
Um, we just started a political action committee, so working on that as well to, um, you know, we really want to invest in our communities in, in all ways. I think we're, for our, through our philanthropy, we're doing, you know, community cleanups, but we also want to make sure that there are really um, responsible people that are they're guiding the community. Yeah. So that's another way that we can, we can um, impact the communities that we serve in. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned you were multifamily before. Uh, I know in our multifamily we do activities and all that, so it sounds like you're kind of taking that experience and putting it into commercial. Absolutely, that's a great that's a great takeaway. Yes, um, my multifamily experience definitely was very helpful because it, you know, a lot of people for a long time didn't approach office that way. But there's a lot to be gleaned from um, a multifamily building. Like you said, there's a lot of programming that they put a lot of amenities. So like you know, flowers on the desk, all that kind of stuff. So hospitality and multifamily are great places, fertile grounds to like grab ideas from and bring it into the office environment. Mm -hmm. that, that's such an awesome idea and. and creates community and you want to know everyone in your office building I'm sure and that Correct. helps. Yeah, yeah, community, that's a great word. Um, we definitely have been working uh, you know, to create our, our, our more global strategy in the community lately. Uh, we're rolling out our new philanthropy program, which I'm really excited about. Well, tell um, us about it. Since yeah, well we you know we realized that um, within the younger generation people really want to um, they want a brand they can believe in mm -hmm. and that's why we want to be at Burns Gallo so we've uh, worked with our interns this summer mm -hmm. and, and kind of test marketed our approach with them so it, it's a multi-pronged approach so it allows employees actually I'm going to cut because I shouldn't be talking about this because we have not rolled it out yet okay added a flag there I shouldn't do this. Yeah, Pete, we haven't rolled it out to the town hall. Pete, when you're editing this, remove everything about philanthropy yeah. for the last 30 seconds, 40 seconds probably. Thank I just you, realized Pete. I got ahead of myself. Right, so okay, we'll move, we'll okay. sorry. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> um, and, I can't, I can't, right, I can't so, the surprise. So let's talk about, let's bring up the, so we mentioned the uh, community yeah. and the multifamily, yeah. and then we start talking about philanthropy. So when I hit add flag, I will say, so with community, um, how is the script community coming up? How's that sound? Sure. All right. So just talking about community, multifamily, integrating that into the office uh, world, and how cool that is, and how it builds uh, character and community within the building. How, uh, uh, but the building's part of a larger community in the strip district. Um, can do you believe you're able to push your the visions community into the strip and play off each other almost? Is that a question that makes sense? <laughs> I think so. Um, I would say that we, you know, we've gotten to know our neighbors through the, the development process, which mm -hmm. I think is always a first step, right? Yeah. Um, being good neighbors. Um, when we unveiled our sculpture, we did it with River Life. We dedicated the sculpture to Art on the Allegheny. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, because we wanted it to be part of a, a bigger effort. So there's, um, there's a lot of art planned along the, the moments of the Allegheny, but, um, also just, um, I'm drawing a blank on this question, I'm not gonna okay. lie. Pete, we're pausing. What would you like to talk about? Well, I'm just trying to think of like how to roll it back because then it goes more and it's more, like, more about my strip roll. Um, so, so we're doing this thing called Neighbor Nights, like once a month. So, Burn Scalo, uh, the strip district, they're all communities trying to generate communities and build communities within the, the buildings, right? That's right. Uh, so what are some of the strategies and tools you're, and activities that you're doing that with? 
Sure. Well, we really like to do business with um, the businesses that are around our, our properties. Mm-hmm. So uh, as an example, in um, the Strip District, uh, you know, we have all these fitness venues that we mentioned. So mm-hmm. we have a fitness center at the Vision. So we've you know, we've already done a Friendsgiving event with Mecca Fitness. We've uh, invited F45 down before to our Revere project. So we like to do programming that integrates these other businesses um, and gives uh, our tenants exposure to what's around them. We're also going to be working, I'm really excited about this, uh, in October, uh, Franklin Interiors, who's also in the Strip District, mm-hmm. is putting on something called Minicon. And it's uh, basically a smaller version of Neocon, which is a, a Chicago thing. Uh, so there's going to be all different vendors like Steelcase uh, that are going to be on the seventh floor mm-hmm. of our, proper, our property with these great views of the city. And there's going to be happy hours every night. Uh, people are, can come in and see all their goods. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, three days in October. So I'm really excited about that. So, that's really cool. Yeah. So all right. So you're developing community. You're leasing space. You're 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 making a uh, you're a part of the neighborhood that is the strip. Uh, doing awesome things. Brent Scal's doing awesome things. But I always like to push the podcast back. It's for developing leader oriented. Any advice for developing leader? a biology student, college student that wants to get into real estate? (laughs) Well, I think you just kind of hit it. Um, I did have four uh, sessions this summer with developing leaders, and uh, when I got asked this question, I think um, the best advice I have is don't worry too much about a linear path. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people, when they graduate, they're just like on a mission to get to that point over there, right? Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you kind of lose out on a lot of richness. And I think that one of the things that makes me so different is that I'm not, you know, traditional, yeah. right? I was a biologist. I, I did field work in Africa. Mm-hmm. You know, I flipped houses. I think that taking a non-leader path and having all these different experiences really brings a lot to, um, to your overall vision and uh, will serve you well in your career. Awesome. So- do a bunch of activities and, and see where it takes you. And I meet a lot of people. I'd say like it's really great to have a lot of uh, contacts. You know, that's one of the things being a brand ambassador that you, you know, if you do want to do these partnerships, you need to know a lot of people. Yeah. So if you can just try to make time every week to just go have an informational coffee with some with someone with really no agenda, mm-hmm. I think that's a really great thing to do. I still really enjoy it myself. Well, it's always fun. Yes. So, well, hey, thank you for joining us. On oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Clayton. Thank you. All right.